It don't matter what kind of music you like. It don't matter if you like contemporary, if you like southern gospel, if you like old hymns. If that right there can't get you fire going, your wood's all kind of wet. And, and I can go ahead and tell you, when your wood's too wet for God to get it burning, it's too wet. Because I, I remember a prophet calling fire down after he'd poured barrels of wood on it and it licked up all the water as it burned it. I don't want my wood to be so wet that God can't burn it. Y'all excited? Go ahead and take off and run a lap. Oh, man, man, I thought we had a Holy Ghost coming out of somebody there for a minute, brother. I was sitting get all kind of excited. I about to jump off and follow you. I thought somebody finally got it. Well, y'all come on down and love on somebody. people still telling people about how good God is. I see some people over here that came all the way from over here to tell somebody. I like that. We should have done that. We should have swapped sides tonight. Well, no, if we did that, it wouldn't nobody be over there when you got there, would they? We should have just made this half go over there, and then it would have worked. One of these days I swap sides, and y'all get over here, and y'all be talking to the same people over here you usually talk to over there. Just bring them all in the middle. That'll work. 
I got all the ushers. You guys ready? We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and take this evening's offering. God, thank you so much. God, thank you, Lord, for going all the way, Father. Lord, that there wasn't no river you wouldn't cross, no valley you wouldn't come through, no mountain you wouldn't climb. Lord, there was no length, no measures, no distance. Nothing was too great that you wouldn't come there for us, God. Lord, we thank you so much tonight. Lord, I pray you'd take this offering. I ask you to bless it. God, I pray you'd help us, Father, to use it to be a blessing to the community, God, to reach out and love others. God, I pray you'd help us to reach back and pull somebody else up, God. May people see Christ in us in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That might be a very timely song with He's Alive coming. We may just stay on the firing line for a few days. That's all right. It's good to know that you're doing something worthy of being on the firing line. There ain't nothing quite like God letting us be a front-line soldier in His army. Amen? If you want to turn in your Bibles tonight, we're going to move two chapters over from where we were this morning over to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look again at the words of Jesus, but we're going to look at a totally different subject that he spoke of. Uh, I'll be very brief tonight. I do appreciate all of your hard work today. The fact you was here this morning and didn't even hardly have time to go to the house, turn around and come back, um, choke down a half a banana sandwich and um, come back and be in play practice all day and, and then the choir go over and be in choir practice all evening and then come back and, and sing tonight. Um, it is my prayer that, that God is mounting up the rewards in heaven for you, um, that there'd be many rich rewards, and I do believe with all my heart that there is. Um, you, you can't do too much for God. We are running out of time. We sang in that song just a minute ago that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. He's coming soon, and I'm excited about the day that he's coming. I'm excited about the day that we see him, but until then, we've got a job to be doing. We, we need to be faithful. We need to be found working. Here in Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, that Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Father, I pray you take this word tonight. God, I pray you just give us a little, Lord, a little hope. God, I pray you'd move among your children, put a little excitement in us, God. And put a little anticipation in us, God. I pray that we leave here tonight listening for a trumpet, God. I pray that we walk, that we wake up tomorrow morning, and Lord, listening for the sound of a shout, God. I pray that put a little bit of earnest expectation, a little bit of renewed, that unspeakable joy, God, just remembering that you're coming back to get us, God. There's times and difficulties and trials and troubles, and we face all manner of things now. But there's a reward waiting for us that we get to spend all eternity. There's a reward waiting that I get to look on the face of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a day coming when you're coming to get us, God. There's a day coming when you'll call us all home and we'll all be together with you and all those that have gone on forever. There's a homecoming celebration coming. And once it starts, it'll never end for all of eternity, God. I pray you'd give us a glimpse tonight that we can just look ahead and know that there's a day coming soon, God, that you're coming back to get the redeemed. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to look for just a few minutes at, at the second coming. Ever since the disciples asked that question, and Jesus sat up there and answered it for them, people have been looking for signs. And, and people like to take signs, and they like to take one sign and say, well, this prophecy has been fulfilled, and, and because of for this reason that Jesus is coming back, and they like to predict the day. I remember there was some guy back that when Israel became a nation, and we'll look at that in a minute, but then he looked at the 40 years and this generation shall not pass. And he predicted that Jesus was coming back on that day in 1988. And there's been many that have come along and said Jesus is coming back on this day. And we've studied the Bible and we've studied this and we've looked at that. And we know that he's coming back. Well, obviously you know more than God. Because God said something entirely different. Can I tell you there's great harm in that. There's great damage when these nutcases claim that Jesus Christ is coming back because people begin to set that and you got a world out there that looks at that crazy stuff and, and then when it doesn't come to pass, they say, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't worried about it, none. That's just some old Christians stirring things up again. No, it wasn't a Christian. If it was a Christian, he'd believe in the Word of God as the only begotten. He'd believe in the fullness of the Word of God. He'd know better than to make such a stupid prediction. But all I can tell you, it does great harm. It does great damage when they put it out there because they look ahead. I can tell you that the world is a little bit worried about it. They wouldn't even be paying any attention to it. They wouldn't even make any statements about it. They wouldn't refer back to it if they wasn't worried about it. They're worried about it because they know it just might happen. And if it does happen, they know they're going to wake up and all the Christians are going to be gone and they're forever doomed to hell. Yeah, they're worried about it. 
Christians understand that Jesus went on teaching in this parable. That wasn't the end of the story. He told about some signs, and we're not going to cover them all this evening. I'm not going to make a long message. We're just going to look at three or four little points and, and then go to the house. But Jesus went on teaching here, and he said, Verily I say unto you, in verse number 34, after he talked about the parable of the fig tree and some things there in verse 32, but he said, This generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, in verse 35, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In spite of that, men continue to try to make predictions and say, this is the day that the Lord's coming back. Ever since the disciples asked the question, people have been looking for signs. When is the Lord coming? When is the Lord coming? Looking for signs, when is the Lord coming? Just get up in the morning, busy about his business, and don't worry about it. He's coming. Just be found faithful when he gets here. Just be found working when he gets here. Don't go to bed worrying about it. Don't wake up worrying about it. Just go to bed praying. And sometime between now and the end of the day, make sure that God uses you for something to be a blessing to somebody. Get up in the morning with the fullness of expectation that you're going to be a usable vessel before God Almighty, that the Holy Spirit will indwell you, fill you, use you, pour you out on somebody else. And if he comes, praise God. If he don't, praise God. Just keep on working. The Bible prophesies of three comings in the presence of God. Two of them have already been done. One of them was the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he was come and said that he'd be born of a virgin. Um, and we know that that prophecy was fulfilled. He was born of a virgin named Mary. We hear on that video that he would come from an, an obscure village on that thing in the Easter play, an entry coming in. We know that he was from a little town called Bethlehem, but we also know that it was prophesied centuries early. Thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be least among the thousands, the word of God tells us that there was a king going to come out of Bethlehem. It was prophesied centuries before it ever came to pass. But then if you study the prophet Joel, that little short book, that little minor prophet, you'll find that it's eluding a lot. The things that it's talking about is the day of Pentecost. Jesus even confirmed, he said, when I go, I'll not leave you comfortless. There's something coming back. The Son of God may be checking out for a little bit. I'm coming back to get you, but while I'm gone, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll not leave you alone. The Spirit of God's coming back. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be the one that's going to walk with you. He's going to be the one that's going to indwell you. He's going to be the one that's going to give you grace when you need grace, comfort when you need comfort. He's going to be your friend when you're lonely. He's going to be your shelter when you're in a storm. He's going to be everything you need. I'm going to send it back. And we know that on the day of Pentecost that that prophecy was fulfilled. We know that how it was a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues. And we know how Peter preached on that day and 3,000 souls were saved. And we know that was the day that the Holy Spirit came back. It was the end of the seven weeks of 70, the 50th day, the day of Pentecost. But there's one left to come. Jesus said, I'm coming back. Jesus says, I'm coming back. There's going to be another day. The only one left to be fulfilled is when Christ comes and calls home the bride. And just as surely as he came the first time, he's coming the second time. We ain't got to wonder about it. We ain't got to debate about it. 
I, I know people say, I've heard that all my life. Well, you hear it for the rest of your life, too, but it ain't going to slow him down one minute. Now, I got news for you. If you're three days old and say, I've heard it all three days of my life, and you live another thousand years and he ain't come by the time you die, it ain't going to change the fact. He's coming because he said he was. Matter of fact, it's the last promise in the Bible. He said, I come quickly. He's coming. He's coming. There's thousands of prophecies in the Bible, but the second coming of the Christ, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the climax of human history. Anybody excited about that day? Oh, it's going to be a day. It's going to be a day. We can't, we can't even begin to imagine. I can't imagine a mess going to be left in the church. There's going to be all kind of pieces left, all these surgeries we've been having and stuff put in and replacements. and yeah, Well, anyhow, we don't need to get into all that. We, we ain't going to need all that stuff. We ain't going to need all that stuff. I believe we're going to be clothed in a light. I believe it's going to be his light, and I believe that, that's that white raiment when we get on that horse. Anybody around here don't ride horses yet? Huh? Anybody don't? Miss St. Clair, you don't ride horses? You ride one on that day. I like it. I like it. I'll ride one on that day. They don't even practice them. Now you might get hurt. Just save it for that day. That'll, that'll be good enough. But, but when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as the suffering servant. He's already been there. I, I'm amazed to know just how far God would go to save a wretch like me. He, he stepped out. We, we just sang about it. He walked out of streets of gold. He stepped down off of a throne. He left the presence of the Father and all the glories of the kingdom of God just to come down here and climb up on an old rugged cross so that somebody like me didn't have to go to a devil's hell but can spend all of eternity in the place he come from. He just came down here to pay a price so that he could get me and take me back. What a God. What a God. He's coming back. But the Bible talks about some signs of the time and just a couple of modern-day signs that we could look at, some things in our world that would point out to the fact that the, the return of Christ, I believe, is getting really, really close. One of them is a polluted, diluted, watered-down pulpit. I believe men that have been called to preach the gospel, let me rephrase that, I believe there's some men standing in a pulpit ain't never been called. I have no idea why they would even try to do this job without being called of God because if you ain't got the Holy Spirit of God, you ain't got no business trying to do this one. I don't see how you could last very long. It don't pay good enough to put up what you put up with. It's the love of God in you that absolutely says, hey, I love people. I love what I'm doing. Matter of fact, somebody's talking today about something that come up and talking about a pastor job. Well, number one, they said that, that guy said it was the worst job in the world. I immediately responded, he must not have never moved mobile homes for a living. Amen. My son, for the first time in the house of God, stood up and said, Amen. <laughs> my, my daddy said, Hallelujah. We, they, they, it might be the second worst, but it can't be the worst. But, but you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. It's the best thing ever happened to me in my life. It's, it's the best thing God, God is allowing me to serve him. God has allowed me to do something. God has allowed me to be a part of his family. And his, but, but I'm telling you, there are some people standing in a pulpit that I don't believe got no business being up there because they back away from the truth. They, they back down. They won't, they won't stand firmly on doctrine. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. There's no issue, there's no debate, there's no question mark at the end of that. Preach the word. 
Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Verse number 3 says, A time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Well, I believe we're in that day. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I believe we're living in that day. I believe that many preachers today will, will back off the truth in order to gain popularity and to avoid criticism. They, they don't want anybody to say anything bad about them. They don't want their, their popularity ratings to go down. I don't want mine to go down either. I want to stay popular in the eyes of God. So I'm just going to keep on preaching right there as long as I'm popular before God. I only have to serve an audience of one. And I believe if I'm making God happy, then the Holy Spirit will make his children happy and we'll all just be happy together. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I believe that to preach anything other than that. I, I believe that to agree with anything other than that. Not even just to agree. I believe to just not defend the truth and say, thus saith the Lord, and call a lie a lie. I believe all that's of the devil. I believe it's a false prophet. And I believe we're living in a day when, when the pulpit is backing off the truth and we're seeing a lot of false prophets standing up and making false statements. We live in a day when we're seeing this deluded pulpit, but, but the Bible says we're supposed to look for a particular place. Amos chapter 9, the Bible says in verse 14, talking of the, the nation of Israel, and the Bible tells us that the nation of Israel is going to become a major player in world events again, but he says, I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall go, and they shall no more be polluted up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again. For the first time since the Babylonian overthrow in the early 500 B.C.s, for the first time in over 2,500 years, the nation of Israel became their own people again. The nation of Israel began to govern their own land all the way back to the Babylonian overthrow back in the Bible. But God said the day was coming. Many centuries ago, Moses told the people of Israel that the Lord would scatter them among the peoples and that they would find no resting place. That was in the book of Deuteronomy. But Ezekiel spoke of a day when God would gather his people out of all nations and bring them back to their own land. And today, you and I continue to watch as the Jews continue to trickle back, making their way toward the homeland. Another sign that we're supposed to be watched before is politics. Glory to God, Lord only knows why. The Bible teaches us that before the return of Christ, that there's going to be a, a powerful coalition of the nations. There's going to be a powerful gathering of these nations. It's going to come out of the nations over of Europe. That will be a rise from the ashes of the old Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was never overthrown. It simply fell in on itself, kind of a lot like what America's doing. That's just a rise up, and we see that beginning to take place. And I know we're a part of it now, but we see in the United Nations is how the group of European nations is beginning to come together. But the Bible tells us that they're going to gather up, and the Bible talks about that one world government that they will begin to put into place. They'll begin to talking about a one world currency. You know, I never used to know how in the world could you get America to buy into that. Did anybody ever wonder that? I really did. 
How in the world could you ever get America to buy into a one-world government and a one-world economy? It didn't make any sense to me. We're the wealthiest planet on the nation. We got firepower to touch a button and make the world disappear. Why in the world would the United States side up with some bunch of hoodlums? Why in the world would the United States agree with somebody in a one-world currency? I can tell you how. Billions and billions of dollars in debt today. When you go broke, you'll do whatever you got to do. And God is making sure of it right now. The United States of America is going broke at a fast rate. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. Not only supposed to look at politics, but we're supposed to look for a politician. According to the word of God, right before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, this, this cat, the Antichrist, has got to come on the scene. We, we don't know who he is, but we know he's going to be here. I believe he's already born. That's just Yanceyology. I don't have nothing to tell you that. I, I believe he's already pretty close to age because I just believe we're that close to the day. I believe he's already out there, but this guy's going to rise to power. He's going to begin to promise peace everywhere, and if the nations would just come together, he's going to make promises that there won't be any more world wars, and he's going to promise to take care of all the economic problems, and he's going to promise to take care of all the political problems, and I believe that guy's already there. I believe that it's already in place. I believe that we're that close to the day that the Lord's coming to get us. He's going to make a lot of promises, but then the Bible also talks about the false religions of the world, the many false religions that will arise. I'm not going to go way off into that. I think it was on a Wednesday night, maybe a Sunday. I recently preached about that, and I spent a little time talking about several different religions of the world as we looked at the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons and the Seventh Day and, and all those guys, that, but I'm not going to get off into that. But, but I will tell you that today, one, one of the great dangers, one of the great fears is this humanistic movement that's coming along. This humanistic movement, it says that it is man's view over God's view. It says that it is man's word over God's word. As a matter of fact, in another message, I have been too long back, talked about, you know, it's funny how people will pay more attention to what a man says than they will to what God says. You, somebody can say something, you say the Bible says this, and they'll put more faith in what some nutcase said, contrary to the word of God. Because this humanistic value, this humanistic view, is placing too much emphasis on the thoughts of man. When I was talking about the different religions of the world, and I mentioned them again this morning and said I'd mention them again tonight, but I talked about that of pluralism. Pluralism is very, very dangerous, and it is very, very real in America today. Hollywood's promoting it, pushing it. Breathing it down. If y'all remember, I showed you a really old video of, of Oprah Winfrey. Y'all remember that? Talk, talking about, oh, uh, there's got to be a way. There's thousands of ways. There can't be only one. One of the important reasons to show you such an old video was to let you know that ain't brand new. It's just on the rise. Because Hollywood is showing it down people's throats. Who wouldn't want to believe that? that? They say everybody's going to the same place. Well, there's no such thing as hell. Why loving God would never send anybody to hell? You're exactly right. He wouldn't, but he'd let you choose to go. If you're stupid enough to go, that's on your ticket. Don't blame God. God's already son, sent his son, paid the price, pulled him out of the grave, made the way. All you got to do is go to heaven. You want to go to hell? That's your choice. That ain't a loving God's fault. You're exactly right. A loving God would never send anybody to hell, but he'll let you walk there by yourself if that's what you want to do. This, this pluralism says that there's nothing like hell. 
all going to the same place. We're just taking different routes to get there. You, you heard it out of Oprah Winfrey's mouth. I mean, you may call it God, but, but you know, you may call it the, the pond of paradise. You, you may call it my, my eternal resting place. You may call it my security. You may call it something different, and you may go different ways to get there, but, but we're all just going to the same place. What, what person wouldn't want to believe that? It doesn't require anything from you. It doesn't require any commitment. You don't have to trust Christ. You don't have to try to live a life pleasing to Him. You don't have to surrender. But what they miss out of all that is the greatest joy that any human being has ever had, and that's to become a child of the living God and have all your sins washed away and understand unspeakable joy that you never had before. You thought you were having a good time time in the bar. You thought you were having a good time with them goofy little left-handed cigarettes. You thought you were having a good time going to places you shouldn't ought to be, doing things you shouldn't ought to be doing. You thought it was a good time till you got washed in the blood of the Lamb of God and all that stuff got taken away. And you begin to learn what a good time is, is to come into the house of God with the redeemed of the Lamb of God on a Sunday morning and worship a risen Savior. That's what a good time is. And the good thing is theirs every time the narcotic stuff wears off, they either got to throw up or start all over again. My good time's going to last for all of eternity. I ain't never coming down. I ain't ever getting off of it. It ain't never going away. And they ain't never made me sick. All it's ever done is made me happy. There's a day coming. He's coming to get us. There ain't going to be no more sorrows, no more sickness, no more sadness. For the redeemed, it's a good day, amen? Well, where was I at before I started preaching? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we. My name's right there, we. I'm a we. Anybody a wee? We got some wees in here. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. We got some weebles. We, we, we got some wees. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I said it this morning. It's, it's a good time to stop looking for signs and just start listening for a shout. The signs are done. The signs, the prophecies are fulfilled. It's done. It's there. You can stop looking for signs. Just be listening. Matter of fact, you hear somebody shouting in the distance tomorrow, you may go just a jumping up and down just thinking that might have been it. Trying to get up off the ground. Say, well, that wasn't it. I'll have to wait on the next shout. Bottom line is the stage is set. The prophecies are fulfilled. There's nothing left there in the Word of God. The only prophecy that is left is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fulfillment of that prophecy is the last promise that Jesus made. In Revelation 22, 20, the last promise he made. He said, surely I'll come quickly. That's the last promise in the word of God. But the last promise is, is followed by the last prayer. After he said, surely I'll come quickly, John says, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's the final prayer. Anybody pray in that one? Isaiah chapter 45 said in verse 22, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Paul wrote about that. 
he wrote a letter to the church at Rome, and when any time when he says it is written, he's talking about somewhere in the Old Testament that was already written, and he said in chapter 14, verse 11, it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Anybody ready? Anybody ready? Listen, I, I know Hebrew, Hebrews 9 says, pointing on a man wants to die. I know that day's coming, and that's okay if I go that way, but I ain't ready to go that way just yet. I got a little bit more. I want everybody else to go with me. I, I, I want us all to go at one time, or at least have a little bit more time before I jump on that train. But what I want to do tonight, I want us to take a little bit of time to thank him while we're here together. I, I want to take a little bit of time to thank him that we got something to look forward to. No, no matter how much is going on, no matter what kind of burdens and what kind of trials, you know what? I pray the power of God continue to move on this place. I pray the Spirit of God continue to stay in this place. I thank God for the Spirit of God that showed up today in a play practice and moved up here on this stage. And I thank God for the power of God that works there. And I pray that He continues to work all the way up until the Easter play and through it. But if He comes before the Easter play, that's going to be all right with me too. But we got some friends and family that's going to miss it. If he comes today, we got some friends and family that's going to miss it. We talked about it this morning. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. And second is like unto it, love thy neighbor. We ought to be loving on some folks. We ought to be telling them that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I, you know, I, they, they've heard the, the false prophecy so much of people saying that, Christ is coming. It's kind of like the boy that cries wolf. Every time he cries it and the wolf doesn't show up, they believe it a little bit less. And that's kind of where the world's at now. They've heard the cry so much that Jesus is coming. Listen, that doesn't change our job. We just sound the trumpet. If they don't listen to the warning, then the Bible says the blood's on their hand. But it's our job to tell them. But, but I want to I thank him for a few minutes tonight. Before we leave, I know you've all heard the same thing, the, the three things that was at Calvary's cross is judgment, mercy, and grace. Judgment is getting what we deserve. That's why we thank God for mercy and grace. Because mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Anybody thankful for mercy? But I'm thankful for grace because grace is getting what I don't deserve. Not only do I not have to go to hell, not only am I not going to get what I do deserve, but I get to go to heaven. Grace is going to give me what I don't deserve. I'm going to get to be in the presence of God, in the presence of the Almighty, in the presence of my Savior, in the presence of all of the redeemed for all of eternity, even though I don't deserve it, I get to go. But Adrian Rogers said something last week that I really liked about grace. He said, grace gives but it comes at a great price to the giver. Jesus Christ had to endure some horrible pain and affliction. And God Almighty had to give up his only begotten son. There was a great price paid by the giver so that grace could be given to us. But here's the part I really like. He said, but then grace had to run us down. Mm -hmm. You listening? In order for us to be saved 
grace had to run faster than us so that it could catch us, save us, and redeem us because we didn't go looking for grace. Grace came running after us. I like that. I, I wasn't looking for grace. God had to catch me to give it to me. I was on the run in the wrong direction. God had to, well, how many of us did he put in a whale's mouth and have to carry us back because we were running in the wrong direction? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't need to preach that story, do I? We were running in the wrong direction. Grace, Grace loved me so much, he didn't just want to give me something, but he had to run me down and catch me to give it to me. What a God. What a God. So I want to take some time tonight, and I want to thank him. I want to thank him for what he's done for us here. I want to thank him for the moving of the Holy Spirit, for the way that he meets with us. I want to thank him for grace. I want to thank him for mercy. I want to thank him for his power. I want to thank him for our eternal home, for, for the promise. I want to thank him that I can wake up tomorrow morning knowing that he's coming. Whether he comes tomorrow, matter of fact, I can know tonight. I ain't got to wait till tomorrow. I can go to bed tonight knowing there's a day coming. I, I want to I thank him for for loving the unlovable. I want to thank him for dying for the despicable. I, I want to thank him for, for, for paying the greatest price for that which was worthless. For loving us in spite of us and coming here just for us. I just want to thank him for grace. If we could take a few minutes tonight, brother, if you play something, Tim, if you want to play something, I just want us to come together. Are you thankful for grace? Would you stand where you're at, please? Or if you, better yet, you can stand if you want to just come on to the altar. And we take a few minutes. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You just never know what will show up. You just never know what God will do. But I do know this. I want to be faithful to thank him for all that he's done. I, I, don't, I don't want to appear to be ungrateful for the many blessings. You know, there ain't nothing much worse than to somebody give somebody something to try to help them out, and they never even say thank you. It's just like you owed it to me. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's as simple as driving. You stop and let somebody out in the traffic, and they can't even throw their hand up to say thank you for letting you out. That's the ones we have to love. That's the ones you think, that'll be the last time I let you out. back up and let's do it again you'll stay where you was no that's the people we're supposed to be loving on people we're supposed to be praying for I believe it's God's desire to bless his children but every one of us in this place has been greatly blessed beyond measure I just believe it's always good and right take a few minutes and tell him thank you while everybody's praying, I'm going to ask you if you just keep on praying. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm not, I'm not going to disturb any of your prayer, but I do want to ask you if there's anybody in this place tonight you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The absolute worst thing that could happen is to walk out of this place tonight still headed to hell when the power of God is in this place to save you, when the blood of Jesus is there to redeem you, when salvation is available as a free gift. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're willing to do that tonight. Are willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save my soul. That's not a magic prayer. It's not like you get to wiggle your nose and that's it.